It's game day eve. BYU getting ready to take on the Wyoming Cowboys. Looking to bounce back at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. What will it take for BYU to win the game? We'll get to all of that ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars. Your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you checking out the show. Coming to you a little bit later on Friday. Apologies for that. I had some internet issues and obviously I needed to get some things out of the way, but glad to be with you guys here on a Friday. Our uh, goal around these parts is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room, and we're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, the motto is your team every day, so thank Thank you, as always, for making us a priority, even though it's coming to you a little bit later on a Friday. All right, let's dive right on in and talk a little bit about BYU and Wyoming. Kickoff in this game is set for 8.15 p.m. Mountain Time on ESPN2 tomorrow night. Very much looking forward to this, by the way. The last time these two teams played, they played in that poinsettia bowl in the rain, and BYU squeaked out a victory. Tanner Mangum throwing just an absolutely crazy, what ended up as a touchdown pass, like pinged off, like I think, like what, seven guys it felt like in that game and Jamal Williams had a pretty fine performance down there in San Diego, but obviously the BYU-Wyoming history goes back way further than that. They have played, I think, over almost 80 times. It's actually one of the more highly played series in BYU football history. It's right up there behind the likes of Utah and Utah State, but I think the all-time record was at 40 and 35 in terms of wins for BYU. It's 40 wins for BYU, 35 for Wyoming. Uh, The disparity since Lavelle Edwards took over in 1970 72, 50 years ago is BYU just absolutely owned this rivalry. I, I can think back to the Mountain West era, the back-to-back years where BYU, I think, won like 44 to 0 and then 52 to nothing. Just dominance uh, for BYU of late in this series. If you want to really kind of late, it's been 12 years since they were in the same conference and BYU's only played them once in the meantime. But at the same time, this is a big opportunity for BYU to rectify some of the things that popped up last week in that loss to Oregon. So looking at the Wyoming Cowboys, I'm not necessarily convinced that they're going to be an offensive juggernaut coming into BYU because this is not a team that is uh, put up gaudy offensive numbers in their first four games. Uh, The biggest thing is their passing game. Uh, Andrew Peasley, the former Utah State quarterback, is their starter. He's the only one that's taken snaps at quarterback so far this year. He has completed 62 of his uh, 103 attempts. That's a 60.2 completion percentage, but his average per attempt, 5.7 yards per attempt. It's not good numbers there. And also, like I said, they've played four games. They've won three coming into this, so they have some momentum on their side, and they're coming off a big win uh, last Friday night when they held down a very vaunted Air Force attack in a 17-14 victory and Peasley, to his credit, uh, drove them down the field and got the late touchdown to win that game. But in four games so far this year, Andrew Peasley has 592 yards passing. The, The passing attack for Wyoming is anemic at best. It's just not 
anything that I'm all that concerned about for BYU. But BYU, the more pressing concern is the fact that they both, speaking of the, of the Pokes, is they boast a very potent rushing attack. Titus Swin is their leading rusher. He has 316 yards on the season. Very good start to the year for him. He's averaging 5.1 yards per carry. Peasley is their second leading rusher as a dual threat quarterback. He has 145 yards rushing, 5.6 yard per carry average. So the bigger thing for BYU in this matchup is they've got to avoid what they did against Oregon last week on defense and allow uh, why and that that is to allow Wyoming to control this game by controlling the ground game. BYU's defensive front, the linebackers and the defensive linemen need to be better in this game. The hope is it sounds like Tyler Batty is expected to play. The hope is you also get Earl Tuyo T Mariner back. Uh, Kalani Satake made the comment they were probable on Monday during his press conference, and I would hope they have both those guys back. The bigger thing for BYU's defensive line is to go out there and show that they're not pushovers. If, if they get pushed over by this Wyoming team, I'm not saying that Wyoming's awful in the trenches, but they are a far cry from what Oregon or Baylor was. And if you're going to allow this team, this Wyoming team, to come in and bully you and push you around, then there's probably some bigger issues uh, for BYU at hand. And maybe we're right back to where we were last season, thinking that they had improved on their rush defense. They packed on all this extra weight. They hit the weight room hard. If this game, if BYU cannot control the ground game against the Wyoming Cowboys, yeah, well, guess what? I, I may be really looking at what BYU is doing defensively and say, hey, we, we got some issues because you cannot afford to have back-to-back games where the opponent, especially with this one being a home game, they come into your house and push you around. Not good enough. This is a game BYU should win. They are heavily favored, according to our friends over at Bet Online, uh, and that's the that's the good news. Is BYU should handle this game, but you cannot. The one thing you cannot afford if you're BYU, even if you win this game, is to allow Wyoming to run the ball down your throats. That would portend a very very con- big concern for me for BYU's defense. The other thing, learn how to bleeping tackle. It was abysmal watching the second time over that Oregon game. It felt like BYU had like grease on their hands. They could not get guys to the ground. You need to tackle. And I don't know if BYU in season, I, I actually very highly doubt that they're tackling to the ground. I might make an exception after what I saw last week if I was BYU's coaches. I'd say, you know what? Every practice t- this week, injuries be darned. We're going out there and we're tackling to the ground. Uh, that's Sometimes you just have to do that. Sometimes you have to take the risk and say, you know what? We need to learn how to tackle. And the only way to learn how to tackle is to actually tackle people. That I know that sounds super simplistic, but I've talked with enough coaches who have explained that sometimes the best thing you can do is actually do what you're supposed to do and do what you need to do to get these guys uh, to to do what, to do what they need to do. So I think the keys to the game for BYU in this game, I think I've already made it very clear, number one for me, is stop Wyoming's rushing attack. If you make them one-dimensional, you put this game on Andrew Peasley's arm, I think BYU can run away with this in an absolute route. If you force him, speaking of Andrew Peasley, to have to go out there and sling the ball 30 to 40 times in this game, BYU's going to win. I have a lot of faith that that is the way it's going to go, but I do have concerns going back to last week that a team like Wyoming's going to come in here and say, if Oregon can push BYU around, we're going to be intent to do the exact same thing. It is incumbent on BYU's defense, especially that front seven, front eight, whatever BYU decides to throw out there, whether it's a three or a four-man front, I don't care. You got to stop the run. Number two thing, 
Hopefully, BYU has at least one of the two receivers back. Speaking of Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney. Gunnar Romney, I don't know if I reported this earlier in the week. If I didn't, I apologize. I should have. I saw him in pads for the first time since training camp. He was wearing a green no-contact jersey. Those are the jerseys that BYU's quarterbacks a lot of times will wear to delineate that you do not hit those guys. So, But the good news was Gunnar was in pads earlier this week when I was out there at practice. Does that mean he's going to be cleared to go this week? I don't know. But the fact that the simple fact that he was in pads Pads would lead me to believe that he is getting closer and closer to retaking the field. The hope is you got either Gunnar Romney or Pukunakua back onto the field in this game and give them a little bit of run. I think there's a lot of concern that maybe you should just wait to play them against Notre Dame. I could very much see that being the scenario for BYU, but at the same time, Puka's played. Puka has had some game action, albeit eight minutes of one game so far, but... Gunner has not seen game action so far this year. So if Gunner is able to play, I'd put it, put him out there in a limited capacity. I, I wouldn't be throwing him out there and saying, okay, you're going to run go routes, we're going to run every single route out there in the book, and you're going to play uh, 80 snaps of this game. I, I wouldn't do that. Work him back into the lineup, but at the same time, give your young receivers a chance to shine. I think Chase Roberts and Cody Epps, etc., should have a big opportunity in this matchup, and hopefully they can go out there and shine like they have the past two weeks. It's crazy to think about. Against Baylor, Chase Roberts had his coming out party. I know it was in a loss, but Cody Epps had his coming out party against Oregon. Both of them are showing why they are considered to be the future for BYU going into the Big 12 at the wide receiver uh, position. So, Give Jaron Hall the opportunity to show these guys what they what give Jaron Hall the opportunity to help these guys show what they can do for a second or a third straight game here. Now the third thing, I already talked about BYU stopping Wyoming's run game. I need to see BYU's run game on offense get back on track. I don't know what it's going to take. It, it may very well be this Wyoming defense may be what is the the cure for what ails BYU's rushing attack. They've got some pretty good players, though, up front on their defensive front. So it's going to be a decent, I think, matchup. I, the funny thing about this, the big chief strength of Wyoming is their defense. Their offense is not a juggernaut, but their defense is pretty darn good. Uh, Shea Suyanoa is uh, their second leading tackler at 25 uh, tackles. Easton Gibbs, 32 tackles. Uh, Cole uh, Godbo, I believe is how you say it his name. He is their nose tackle. He's an absolute load on the interior. 21 total tackles for him at his nose tackle position. Very, very impressive there. So BYU, the front seven of Wyoming is going to come in thinking, okay, BYU hasn't been able to run on Baylor. They haven't been able to run on Oregon. They're not going to run on us. I need to see the run game get going. I need to see 150 yards rushing. I'd actually uh, be okay if BYU were to go out there and say, you know what, Jaron? We're going to run the ball two-thirds to one-third throwing in this game, if at all possible. Your stats maybe limited in this matchup, but we need to get the reps. We need to get this offensive line, the running backs. We need to get the running game in sync. This is the game to do it. You need to show that. If you cannot run the football on a team like this, who in the heck are you going to run the ball on? So that's just another key to the game. I know it's all kind of revolving around the rushing attack, but those are kind of my three things. Stop the rush, learn how to run the football again, and also get guys like Gunnar Romney. If they are cleared, let me be very explicit in saying that. If the doctors do not clear them, this is a complete non-factor. But if they are cleared, I wouldn't necessarily throw them out there and say, okay, you're going to play your full load your full complement of plays in this game, but give them the opportunity to retake the field and work themselves back into playing shape. That that You cannot replicate, similar to what I talked about with tackling, you cannot replicate actually playing football unless you're actually on the field doing it. It's it, I, Like I said, it, it sounds way too simplistic, but at the same time, 
It's kind of how things go when it comes to football. All right, uh, coming up here in just a minute, I want to talk about something cool that BYU is doing tomorrow as part of this Wyoming uh, game. It's, it revolves around the Black 14, uh, the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, their connection with the Black 14. If you don't know what the Black 14 is, I'll give you a rundown of that here in just a moment. First, though, I need to talk about our friends over at uh, Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to spice up your college football season. Uh, what it is, my friends, is an opportunity to play fantasy sports and do it in a college realm. That, that's the best part about this. You kind of go there, you can pick over-unders on different stats, uh, teams, players, everything available under the sun to you guys. And the best part is you create an account and have some fun along the way. You can go and uh, pick stuff on BYU. If you have another team you're interested in, you can make your picks on that as well. And the best part is, you once again, you go to Underdog Fantasy and take the opportunity to do that. It's easy to play. It's available in over 30 states. You pick between two and five players across any team, like we said, not just BYU, and decide if you'll finish higher or lower than what they are projecting. One of the easiest fantasy to play games out there. And you can hold, excuse me, cold hard cash to put in your pocket right now. So check it out, my friends. Uh, get to the, uh, underdogfantasy.com. The best part is if you sign up with the promo code Locked On. that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get uh, a one... Man, you will get a $100 deposit, up to $100 doubled for you guys by our friends at Underdog. I think I butchered that, but let me say that one more time. You sign up with the promo code Locked On at Underdog Fantasy right now, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app on the App Store or Google Play Store. Now get it, my friends, and check it out. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. A uh, really cool thing coming out of this Wyoming game uh, to kind of step aside from the actual on-field play. But BYU has invited two members of the Black 14 to come back to campus and to talk about the, I guess you'd call it a healing in a way, of the divide that kind of marred this series for 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 quite a long time. And that's the crazy thing about this. Jeff Hansen over at Give Him Hell Brigham did a really good write-up on this. Uh, BYU has also done a write-up on on this. They actually had their uh, school of communication. So students with BYU actually put together a documentary talking about the Black 14 and how things have kind of come full circle here for BYU and the Black 14. Now, you're, I keep saying the Black 14. You're probably some of you are probably like Jake. What what are the Black 14? Okay. Now, back in the 1960s, uh, Lloyd Eaton was the head coach of the Wyoming football program. And folks, Wyoming was a powerhouse, one of the true powerhouses during that era of college football. They were nationally ranked very, very good football team. They, they kicked the crap out of a lot of different teams nationally during that era. But uh, BYU, obviously, is connected to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at the time. The 1960s, we all know, was a decade of all kinds of turmoil with civil rights, etc. There were multiple assassinations, Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, uh, Malcolm X. You guys know the whole history there. Now, the Black 14 were 14 African-American or black players uh, who were members of the Wyoming football program who uh, they had come to a game in 1968 and I think it was Lloyd McGee was one of their star players who claimed he was treated just absolutely abysmally by BYU football team members in Provo. The following year, they decided they were going to protest when BYU and Wyoming squared off once again. 
And they uh, went to their coach to explain what their protest was all about. Well, Coach Eaton, a pretty strict dude, uh, all the stories about him is just a strict disciplinarian. We're talking like the the old school coaches. You guys know what I'm talking about. A guy who, no nonsense, don't give me any crap. Like, let's just, we're, we're going to do our thing. Well, he uh, essentially told them during that meeting, I'll help you out here. Y'all, all y'all are off the football team. He kicked all 14 of those uh, young men off of the Wyoming football team. A number of them uh, found other opportunities to play football. Some of them actually ended up playing in the NFL, etc. They all got opportunities down the road. But the bigger thing at play was is that these 14 members were trying to make a statement uh, for themselves and for people when it came uh, to what's, what was going on in that era. Now, it was a stain, obviously, on all things with that game that was played during that era. Uh, two members of the Black 14, Mel Hamilton and John Griffin, are in attendance this week. They'll actually be the ceremonial Y lighters tomorrow night. Yes, two former members of the Wyoming football program are going to light the Y between BYU and Wyoming. It's, it's just absolutely incredible. The documentary uh, explains exactly how things have kind of come full circle here. Now, what it was is these uh, 14 uh, football players, they have uh, created a foundation now that all these years later have uh, kind of been standing up for their communities and trying to uh, build their communities up. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, ended up in 2020, I'm trying to get the right number here before, I, uh, yeah, they, so they teamed up with the Black 14 in 2020 to deliver over 180 tons of food across eight different states near the homes of the members of those Black 14 members. It's absolutely incredible to think about. These 14 were trying to protest the church, the BYU football program, and the church's uh, stance against African-American men being denied the priesthood and the opportunity to enter the temple during that time. We all know that that came to an end in 1978, etc. But the, 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 the full circle nature of this story is where I think it's the, it's the most heartwarming. Is because the Black 14, like I said, they... They have come full circle. They they were protesting the very uh, community, the very uh, football program, the church that they what they were protesting has now partnered with them, and they have actually become like partners in this. It's just it's a it's a crazy crazy heartwarming story. Uh, S. Gifford Nielsen, who's a general authority 70, obviously played for BYU in the 1970s, an All-American in his own right, uh, talked about this uh, quote in, from the BYU release. To think we all came back together as a miraculous story. Full cooperation from everybody has brought this story to fruition. It's just... I, it warms my heart because this, and by the way, the other, the other part of this is part of this was referenced when BYU had that whole situation with the Rachel Richardson and the Duke volleyball program. It brought up echoes of what was going on with this. And that's the thing about this is this shows how minds and hearts can be changed. So it's just, it's one of those really, really cool stories out there. I, I don't think I've necessarily done any, any justice in many ways to talk about this, but Mel Hamilton and John Griffin, if you're going to the game tomorrow night in your Vell Edwards Stadium, I want to hear the loudest cheers for these two gentlemen. Obviously, they represent their 12 other uh, teammates in the, in the Black 14. Uh, they're going to be there lighting the Y ceremonially. This is a really 
really cool thing. And the documentary, by the way, if you're listening to this on Friday afternoon, shortly after it goes up, there's actually going to be, I think, a, a viewing, yeah, a public viewing of the documentary will be in BYU's Varsity Theater on campus at 7 o'clock. That'd be Friday evening. So if you're listening to this uh, pretty quick, you might be able to make it. There's going to be a panel discussion after the screening as well. So this is a really, really cool, I guess, um, in the media part, it's a kind of a sidebar, but it should be a big focus of this game as well. Just the the whole over 50 years later, kind of the, the full, like I said, 180, 360, well, I, I don't know, the, the the coming around of this story is absolutely incredible because, trust me, many of these men could have held grudges for the rest of their life, and some of them said they held grudges for many, many years against Coach Eaton, the Wyoming football program, etc., but they've all let that go, and for this to come full circle, like I said, I, I've used that reference I don't know how many times in talking about this, it's just an absolutely incredible story, and I, I think it's a heart warming thing that should be celebrated as the Cowboys and Cougars get ready to do battle once again on the gridiron. All right, there you go. So a little bit about that. We'll wrap up today's show with my picks for the coming weekend in terms of college football scores, as well as a look at what's going on in other BYU sports coming up this weekend as well. If you want to go out and support other BYU teams in action, we'll get to all of that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. All right, before we go here on today's show, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in BYU sports this coming weekend. The fun part about this is is there is a big opportunity if you want to go out and support the women's volleyball program. Uh, they uh, beat LMU in their uh, conference opener last night uh, in Provo at the Smith Fieldhouse, winning in straight sets over the Lions. A big victory for uh, Coach uh, uh Coach uh, Olmstead, man, I uh, blanked there for a second. Coach Olmstead and her team getting that straight sets victory. Uh, they'll be back in action tomorrow. It's a top 20 showdown. The Cougars against the Pepperdine Waves. Pepperdine's number 17 in the country. BYU also inside the top 20. This is a huge, huge match early on in West Coast Conference play. Essentially, if you win this, you're going to have a leg up the entire rest of the way in terms of the conference play for you to stay in the number one spot if both of these teams are really as good as they are cracked up to be. And BYU's proven that so far this year. The pretty darn good, but Pepperdine's no slouch at all. That'll be at 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, so you can actually get a day-night doubleheader of BYU Sports if you want to go out and support the women's volleyball program. It will be televised live on BYU TV if you want to tune into that. Once again, a 1 o'clock mountain time as Pepperdine and BYU women's volleyball uh, do battle there. Also, men's women's cross, men's and women's cross country, they are headed to Stillwater, Oklahoma tomorrow morning for the Cowboy Jamboree. That's a great nickname. It'll be at Stillwater uh, at the Oklahoma University Cross country course. It's kind of fun that the university has its own cross country course, but the women's team will be uh, running at 6.45 a.m. local, uh, excuse me, 6.45 a.m. mountain time, 7.45 a.m. central time locally out there. The men's team will follow that up just over 45 minutes later. It'll be at 8.30 a.m. central time, 7.30 mountain time. A big opportunity for the cross-country programs. Nationally prominent, obviously looking to make the name for themselves. This is a future conference mate, speaking of Oklahoma State, that they'll be going up against, and it's a big opportunity for them uh, to be in action there. Uh, that, Like I said, that'll be on Saturday morning. Also, the men's golf program is participating in the William H. Tucker Intercollegiate that's taking place at, in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the UNM South Golf Course. Uh, the men's golf program coming off a very, very good year a, a year ago. They'll be participating in that today. They're already underway. I actually they might be finishing up second round play right now as I'm recording this podcast, but also finish up playing that tomorrow. We'll have a recap of that, how that went for you guys on our Monday edition of the show. It's a, it's a big opportunity. I, I think that's a game that if you're, if you're looking for something to do, that'd be a good thing to try not do, but to track, I'd keep an eye on that because the men's golf program, 
I think they have an opportunity to be at least a top 25 ranked squad this year if everything goes according to plan. But obviously, you got to take care of business, and they're doing that down there in Albuquerque this weekend. All right, uh, now for my picks as we round out today's show. Let's go around uh, at my... I'm still sitting around that 500 mark. I actually need to total it up. I'll have a total for you guys next week. I'll, I'll write all my picks down and be able to tell you what my record is at the moment. But uh, first pick, uh, University of Utah taking on Arizona State. I know this one's not supposed to be even close because Arizona State has a new head coach. Herm Edwards getting fired last week after they lost to Eastern Michigan. I think Utah goes to ASU and wins pretty handily. Uh, BYU, uh, excuse me, Utah, the line is uh, 15 and a half points. Uh, I think Utah covers that fairly easily. I just don't think Arizona State is necessarily going to be able to coalesce and figure things out right now to win that. But the one thing I will say, the weather could play a factor. AccuWeather on ESPN.com actually has it as a 98 degree at kickoff. Uh, That's at 830 uh, Mountain Time. It's 730 down there in Arizona right now. That's going to be very, very warm. So hopefully the Utes are, are... they got their pickle juice because they could be cramping up in that one. All right, uh, next game up, Maryland at Michigan. I know this is an unranked against a ranked opponent, but Maryland is 3-0 and on the season. Off to a very good start. Taulia Tagovailoa, the younger brother of Tua Tagovailoa, is the uh, starting quarterback for the Maryland Terps. They're going to Michigan to the big house. Uh, this is a very interesting line considering Michigan is a 17-point favorite. I think Michigan wins. I think uh, Maryland... Uh, covers the point spread. I don't think 17 points. I don't, I don't think Maryland's that bad, but we'll find out how they do in that. Our first top 25 showdown is Clemson going to Wake Forest. This is a big, big game, especially for the Demon Deacons. I think that uh, Wake Forest, Dave Clawson, what the Demon Deacons have done so far, they got a very, very good team, and I don't think Clemson's all it's really cracked up to be. They're a good team, but I'm not 100% convinced that they're like the, the fifth-ranked team in the country right now. That's just my opinion. I think Wake Forest covers the spread here. I'm actually going to pick Wake Forest in the upset to beat Clemson on their home field down there in Winston-Salem. Should be an interesting one there. Baylor at Iowa State, uh, two very highly uh, thought of members of the Big 12, future conference mates of BYU. Baylor ranked 17, headed to Iowa State, who is 3-0 on the season. They're playing at Jack Trice Stadium there in Ames. I think that uh, ISU should be favored here. They are two and a half points, according to most sports books, including our friends at Bet Online. I'm looking at this. I don't know what to make of Baylor because BYU handled them pretty easily. They bounced back uh, with a big win over Texas State last week. I'm still not convinced that Baylor is what it's expected or was expected to be this season. I think Baylor wins, though. I think Baylor, uh, take the points, give me Baylor outright. I think Baylor goes to Ames and gets the victory there. We'll see how it shakes out. Number 20, Florida at number 11, Tennessee. Tennessee, a 10.5-point favorite against the Gators. I, I don't think the Gators are what people think they are, I think Tennessee rolls in this one. I, I think the Volunteers, I, even though I'm not completely sold on the Volunteers being a power, they're better than Florida. I don't think Florida is the 20th ranked team in the country. Uh, one spot behind BYU, I just don't see it. I think Tennessee rolls in that one. Number 22, Texas at Texas Tech. Two future Big 12 mates once again for BYU. Uh, Texas is a seven-point favorite as the 22nd ranked team in the country. Texas Tech, I don't know what to make of the Red Raiders right now. They have some crazy plan, apparently, according to their head coach, Joey McGuire, that they may put three quarterbacks on the field at one point. Don't do that. That, that seems like a bad idea. I got Texas in this one. I think they cover the spread as well. I think Texas is looking to make a statement with that game. Number uh, 15, Oregon. Coming off that win over BYU at Washington State. I think Oregon gets the win here. They're a six and a half point favorite over the Cougars in Pullman. Uh, Washington State's been very, very good. They're 3-0 and on the season, but 
I just don't think that this is the game they're going to win. I think Oregon will go there. I think they get the win. I do think Washington State covers, though. I think it might be a little bit closer than a touchdown. It's always tough to play on the Palouse, but uh, give me Oregon to win that game there. Let's also get to Arkansas and Texas A&M, the 10th-ranked Razorbacks, who BYU will be hosting here in just, what, four weeks now? Uh, They're at number 23, Texas A&M. Big opportunity for the Hogs to make another statement. Uh, They are a two-point underdog going to A&M. I'm not a believer in what Texas A&M's got going right now. Jimbo Fisher, I I don't know what the charm is with him because he's perennially underachieved since getting there and taking that money to go uh, to uh, Texas A&M. Oh, excuse me, it's a neutral site. I apologize. This is being played at AT&T Stadium. Uh, so the Jerry Jones game, obviously he's an Arkansas alum. So it's being played at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Still, give me the hogs. I, I just don't. I don't see it for Texas A&M, but maybe they could prove me wrong. I think K.J. Jefferson's got, uh, he's very, very good, uh, the Arkansas starting quarterback. I think he's absolutely phenomenal, and we'll see how it all pans out there. All right, I got three more games for you guys. We got Duke at Kansas. It's an unranked game, uh, unranked teams in both these games. Uh, they are 3-0, and both of them. Perennial basketball powerhouses, 3-0 and in football. Crazy, crazy things are happening. Pigs are flying, you know, all that stuff. Uh, give me the Jayhawks. I think uh, Kansas, they've had a really, really good start to the year. I think they make it to 4-0 and and knock off Duke there in Lawrence. Uh, best of luck to Kansas in that one. Number 7, USC at Oregon State. A big matchup here between two teams who are 3-0 and to start the season. Oregon State somehow is still not ranked. I think USC goes in there and wins pretty handily. They're a 6-point favorite. I think they cover that, but just barely. I think it's like a 10-point game. Uh, Uh, with USC going to Corvallis. And then finally, Stanford at Washington. Folks, Washington is underrated right now. They look very, very good. Stanford, I don't think that they're necessarily all that they're cracked up to be. I like BYU uh, going to Stanford, winning that one. Stanford going to Washington. I don't think it's a good place for them to go right now. Washington, a 13.5 point favorite. I'll take Stanford actually to probably cover the points, maybe make it a 10 point game, but I think Washington wins that one. All right, so there you go. There's my picks for the weekend. I guess I need to total all this up and give you a better idea of how I'm doing. Uh, I kind of look at it each week and I've just been like hovering around 500. So do not take uh, my uh, picks and go mortgage the farm on any of this. Uh, trust me, it's it's a foolhardy uh, uh, option to do that, to take my picks and say, well, Jake knows what he's talking about. And eh, not really. I just like that fun with it. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. A huge thank you once again for your support as always. Oh, by the way, I didn't give you my prediction for BYU and Wyoming. Let's do that on the way out the door here. I think BYU rolls in this one, folks. Like I said, it's been as high as a 22-point favorite for the Cougars going into this one. I think BYU will get a lot of the things that were ailing them out of their system from that Oregon loss. I've got BYU 38, Wyoming uh, 10, 13, take what you want. Uh, 38, 13. I'll say uh, BYU 38, Wyoming 13. That's my prediction. I'd love to hear your guys' predictions as well. Send them in to Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or uh, you can DM me slash uh, send them to me at Jacob C. Hatch or even email the show. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. That'll do it for us. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Want to encourage you guys now to go make our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast your second listen. Josh Neighbors does an incredible job making sure you are apprised of everything going on in the Big 12 Conference. Get that free and available or on YouTube right now by searching out Locked on Big 12. All right, that'll do it for us. Have a great Friday. Enjoy the game out there at LES tomorrow night. We'll do a postcast uh, probably early Sunday morning by the time I get to it, but we'll have it for you guys nonetheless. And of course, next week we'll be on a short week getting ready for Utah State. We got you covered every single day right here on Locked on Cougars. See ya.